Welcome to Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. I'm Tracy Brown, the fraud-busting body language expert. I've spent the last 20 years reading people, uncovering secrets hidden in plain sight to find the truth in crimes, politics, and billion-dollar business deals. And I want you to be able to tell whose pants are on fire, make better decisions, and build your bottom line as well. Get ready. Let's dive in. I'm back with another episode of Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups, and my trusty producer friend, Alex, is here. Alex, thanks for coming. I'm here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, we got some talking about crime to do because there's always a lot going on. So what are you finding out there? One word, Tracy. Hmm. Clowns. Clowns? Clowns. Do you like clowns? No. I never had a problem with clowns. Scare the crap out of me. Really? Like, is, it, is it the red nose or the, is the shoes? The shoes are always a little weird. I think it's the fact that you see a clown, but you have no idea what's underneath it, even though it's just face paint, but you couldn't identify that person if you had to. Mm. It could be your next door neighbor. It could be your ex-wife. You would have no idea underneath all that makeup. What about uh, Ronald McDonald? He's a clown. Well, we know who he is because it's right there on his name tag, Ronald McDonald. But what about the one-armed machete-wielding clown that was arrested in Maine. Oh, I, I don't know. What about him? Well, that's all I got on that one. It was a one-armed guy. He was wielding machete in that one arm, dressed up like a clown, and he was arrested in Maine. Well, that is a good thing. It sounds like to me. <laughs> it just says, you know, don't mess with clowns, even if they're missing limbs. Was it on Halloween? It, it was not. That's all the information I have on that one. But I got another one. Mm-hmm. And get this, Florida band. No way. Yeah. In the great state of Florida, where nothing strange ever happens. Nope. Police recently solved a terrifying 27 year old clown related cold case. Oh, OK. What is this? I need to know. Yeah. They arrested a 54 year old woman for the murder of another woman. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the killer rang her doorbell wearing a full clown costume. OK. Bearing flowers. Woman opens the door. Other woman shoots her point blank ranch. So the other woman was behind the cloud or sorry, the clown. Or was the other one? No, the other woman was the clown. Was the, the, the clown. shooter was the clown. Oh, she dang. was dressed up as a clown holding flowers in her hand, knocks on the door. Somebody opens the door thinking, oh, fun clown. Bang. That's the end of that. Well, you know what? Um, that reminds me of I got a singing telegram last year mm-hmm. during the pandemic, the shutdown. And this guy was dressed like a bumblebee. <laughs> and with a guitar mm-hmm. and uh now i am going to be very wary of my next singing telegram i that seems like a really good idea you want to keep them at a distance maybe <laughs> i guess yeah. <laughs> all i can see is this bumblebee guy now in my head you know i can't think of that and not think of uh, John Belushi in, in an episode of Saturday Night Live or something. Was he, he dressed up like the bee, I think. I think he did. And you know what? This guy uh, is he was going for it. Huh, right he on. had the antennas and he had these goggles on these motorcycle goggles. Do you think that's their their full time job or it's just Can't like a be. side gig that they the do demand for, for bee, uh singing telegrams cannot be that high. And what do they do? They just list, you know, what what are your skills? Well, like, like uh, on a resume. Yeah, I can I can dress up like a bee and sing. Yeah. Huh. That's, that's got to be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Custom lyrics. The whole thing is great. <laughs> well, while we're talking about weird stuff, here's a really weird one up in Waynesboro, Virginia. Mm-hmm. 
somebody has been systematically grabbing cats off the street and precisely shaving their underbellies and legs. He's known as the serial shaver, and he's known to target clean cats with collars. So these are not feral cats. These are people's pet cats. So he's got some kind of fetish. Picks them up, shaves underneath them and down below, and uh, and then lets them go. Well, I hope there's nothing out, another, not another step in there. Like, no, let, well, if there is, I don't know anything about it. But okay, they, well, that's you know, they good. refer to him as the serial shaver. I mean, that's just what he do. Oh, he just shaves the cats. Why are people so weird? Well, here, here, here's what I've learned: is is some of the um, the criminals you should be most worried about are the most normal. And why do you say that? Well, uh, because of the ones that I've talked to, like, um, like uh, this uh, fella I'm talking to the, to today, uh, Ryan Hama. Mm-hmm. You know Ryan? I do not. Mm. Well, he gets pretty raw right away, and uh, he stole 1.2 million. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, 1.2 million. He talks all about why he did it, mm-hmm. uh, and and then how he felt about it because he was just messed up, and uh, how it didn't even solve the problem that he really had. And, he, and he's learned so much about himself. He does not hold back. It is uh, it is quite a raw interview for a fraudster. Well, that one seems pretty juicy. I can't wait to hear the rest of that. I'm going to leave you with one more just news of the bizarre. OK. And this one, again, in Virginia is a chilly December day. Temps in the 20s. A 32 year old man stops all the traffic on Route 28, uh-huh. jumps out, assaults a truck, breaks a window stabs the roof of the truck with a knife, throws some things, runs around having a great time, removes his clothes, and then runs buck naked into the woods with a tire around his neck. Wait, where did the tire come from? From the truck? Yeah, I'm guessing from Florida. So he, so he, just, attacked, <laughs> he just attacked the truck? Like, what about he the did. driver? He attacks the truck. He didn't attack the driver. He attacked the truck. He stabbed the truck. Oh. Had a great time, got naked, um, ran, I don't know, hung a tire around his neck and ran off into the woods. Uh, I don't even have any comments on that. Yeah, I don't for, even know that what is, that is about. That is weird. Thankfully, our interview today, my interview today is going to be a lot less weird. Yeah, so let's close with that and head on into the interview. Yes, let's. <laughs> Convicted fraudster Ryan Hama visits me today on Truth, Lies, and Cover-Ups. He gets pretty raw as he tells us exactly how he stole 1.2 million, why he did it, the devastating effects of how it weighed on him, and how it didn't even solve the problem he really had in the first place. He has learned a lot about himself. He doesn't hold anything back, and you're going to learn a lot as well. Enjoy. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on. It's really an honor to have you here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, I don't think any intro I could do would do you justice. So why don't you let us know just like a little bit about who you are, and then we'll get into why you're here. Okay. I'm 47 years old. I live in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Um, I have two beautiful children, a daughter and a son. And uh, I am just uh, back to the point of I feel like I'm fresh out of college again. I'm, uh, I'm just trying to live life to the fullest and be happy every day. And uh, the reason I'm here today is because uh, from the years of 2007 through 2011, um, I was part of uh, the accounting department for a um, local manufacturing company. 
And in that time, um, I misappropriated funds, which is the polite lawyer way of uh, saying that I stole over $1.2 million. And I did it um, quite simply um, for the most part uh, because I could. And uh, I was feeling at the time a lot of stress, a lot of pressure um, due to some immaturity. And uh, just the, uh, the weight of the world was on my shoulders. And I used that as an excuse to uh, justify some very terrible ideas. Um, and essentially, I took all these factors, which were half true, half false, um, magnified them in my own head. And um, I developed a great sense of self-hate. And I developed a great sense of pity that uh, all my friends and family were, um, I wasn't worthy of them, that I needed to make amends with them because of how I felt about myself. And I used the ability I had at work to uh, take money from them to try and support a very materialistic lifestyle for both my friends and family. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. There's a lot there. We got to get into some of this. So, all uh, right. So yeah, so much was there. Okay. So, um, 2007. So, so you, you got a job, you're, you got a job at an, at a, a manufacturing place and you're, were you like the lead accountant, chief accountant or like CFO or like, what was the, my, my official title was accountant, but I was the only accountant. I mean, I probably should have had the title of CFO. Mm-hmm. Um, I oversaw one person in accounts payable. I'm sorry, one person in payroll, two people in accounts receivable and three people in accounts payable. But one of the owner's wives was also the office manager. So even though I should have been overseeing those departments and on the books, I oversaw them. She ran the show um, with regards to those three departments where I was the uh, main um, person was I was the number one liaison between the company and the CPA firm that our outside CPA firm and the li- liaison with the bank. And I oh, set up all okay. of our uh, funding um, lease and loan programs, fundings for vehicles, machinery, things like that. Uh, on top of that, we had an on-demand checkbook that I was the sole, I shouldn't say the sole, the two owners were also signers, but I was the sole signer of the on-demand checkbook, along with the sole reconciler and the sole overseer of said checkbook. Wow. Okay. So you had a lot of flexibility with what you did. That's what I'm getting out of that. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So what happened? Like walk us through, like you show up and you get this job that's pretty good and how does it unfold from there? Like, like, because at a certain point, I guess, I guess you would have started to see loopholes and in, in things in the in the process that I mean how, how does all this how does all this manifest let's talk about that when I showed up they they were a very and they still are a very large important uh, manufacturer business in the Green Bay area mm-hmm. um, I would say that when I was there they were hovering right around 300 employees and in the three years I was there, went from like $48, $50 million a year in gross sales to $60 million. Oh. Uh, I can only assume now, 10 years later, they're probably well over $100 million a year in mm-hmm. sales. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they wanted to run it like mom and pop's grocery store. 
they wanted to use the banks and the leasing options, but they didn't want to turn over any control. And I get that most owners don't. Okay, wait. Well, now, now, what does that mean? Let's. So if if the, they didn't want to turn over control, you said they wanted to use the banks. I get that, but then how how would that have them turn over control? Or what? Can you? Because when you when, when you're a bank and you're going to give a company that size of ten to fourteen million dollar line of credit, mm-hmm. there's a lot of necessary documents. There's a lot of uh, you know quarterly statements, monthly statements, year end statements. Mm-hmm that the bank needs to uh, make sure that their money is protected uh-huh. from a standpoint of, hey, they borrowed $14 million. Can they pay it back? Mm-hmm. Um, my owners wanted to be able to use that money, but also not have anyone scrutinize what purchases they were making. Uh, they want anyone it, to scrutinize okay. that, hey, we're in a recession, but we're going to hire 50 new people. Well, uh-huh. What do you mean? You're, you're, your revenue is going down 5%. You're going to hire 50 new people. You know, they, they wanted to be able to run the business how they saw fit without any outside, I'll say negative influences because no one cares about positive influences. Right. Um, so there was a lot of, when I got there, there was a lot of, Hey, this is how we do things here. Mm-hmm. Um, what the bank doesn't know won't hurt them. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Uh, we have a, we have an outside CPA firm that used to do the month end close, but we're hiring you specifically. So you can do the month end close. And as long as they say the balance sheet looks good, that's all they need to be concerned with. Oh, so, so they weren't every, everything wasn't above board maybe to start with. Is that, would that be a fair? Yeah. And it, but at the same, I don't want to sound like these guys are just, you know, bad guys, Mm -hmm. you know, tax law by nature of it is there's gray areas Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, Mm -hmm. and any business owners wants those gray areas to get bigger Mm -hmm. and the IRS wants those gray areas to get smaller. Right. So, I mean, there, there was never anything initially like, you, you know, you, you'd hear like slush funds or under the table payments or anything like uh-huh. that. But there were things, you know, with regards to um, you know, like who got car allowances, you know, would a sales force get a car allowance? Of course they would. Oh, but we're going to give these other individuals car allowances, mm. you know, and it's like, well, you still going to have some justification there, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? And I mean, we had 300 employees and we probably had 90 company cell phones. You know, I was like, I was the accountant. They, they gave me a cell phone. Why uh-huh. do I need a company cell phone? Right. Other than the fact that if you want to call me at midnight on a Saturday, I guess you can. Right, right. Um, so, so, so there was just a lot of things like that. Um, uh, that exactly, I mean, they weren't illegal. They weren't a hundred percent by the book, but they wanted to be able to kind of smudge those lines got it okay okay so you're working there for a while like how does this thing go what's the like what what starts to develop that gets you like hmm i have an opportunity here like what how does that all unfold oh well within six weeks of being there the job wasn't for me i should have left flat out i shouldn't left um but I had outside influences that had told me what a wonderful company this was. And man, if you ever get into this company, like don't screw it up. Uh-huh. And when I got there where I said of maturity, I was the accountant. So, I mean, in the hierarchy of the company, there was legitimately maybe four people higher than me, you know, mm-hmm. general manager, the assistant general manager, the owners, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. I was seeing things behind 
closed doors, you know, kind of like behind the curtain with the Wizard mm-hmm. of Oz. Yeah, yeah. That it was just like, oh man, is this really what goes on here? Is mm-hmm. this really how big business works? And I'll admit that I wasn't mature enough to take that information and just process it. Mm-hmm. And I had outside influence telling me that this is a great business. I have firsthand knowledge that, you know, I'm really not on board with everything that's going on here. Um, there was a personality conflict between me and the general manager mm-hmm. um, from the standpoint of um, he was put in place after I was hired, shortly after I was hired. Mm-hmm. And he and I had a few run-ins and it was the classic, you know, I didn't hire you. So, you know, I, I don't know what you're all about. And my kind of throwback was, well, one of the owners hired me. So if you've got any problems, man up and go talk to him. Uh-huh. Got and, it. and again, it was just one of those things where, you know, he is, he was a guy that had been in the company 20, 25 years and God bless him had risen through the ranks. And here I was this 33 year old, you know, smart Alec that all of a sudden is like in the office next to him. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I can see how my personality can rub people the wrong way. And again, that, that was part of my own maturity there mm-hmm. where I took the feelings he had for me and I had for him on a personal level versus just being, Hey, you don't have to get along with everyone you work with. Right. You know, you can have your space. I can have my space kind of thing. So I was doing these things at the behest of the owners and I was, you know, right or wrong. I was a really good accountant Mm -hmm. and, but I was just dreading going there every day, every day, every day. And I had built up into my mind that, you know, if these guys ever get caught for these things that they're doing, I'm the accountant. I'm, I'm going like, you're I'm going, going down with them. with them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it kind of, it kind of got to the point where I realized how miserable I was. And I realized in my own mind, how miserable I was making everyone around me. And it's like, well, I'm not going to get any better. So I got to somehow make these people happy and happy with me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I saw the opportunity and it was a conscious decision that, you know, I'm going to do this, you know, pardon my French, but you know, F them. Mm-hmm. If they want me to do this stuff, I'm going to do some stuff to benefit myself and especially benefit my family and my friends because they're putting up with me. They deserve it. Wow. Okay. So the, and, and I think, I think what you really touched on is, is super, uh, now di- did you know that at the time or was it just kind of something that, uh, that unraveled and you unpacked that later? Cause that's like some pretty deep thought. How, how does, how Oh, does I mean, at, at, at the time it was just, I feel terrible and I need to make these people happy. Mm-hmm. Both owners, my own friends and family. Mm-hmm. And it's years later with a little bit of therapy and a little bit of uh, self-reflection and a little bit of time in the federal system mm-hmm. that you kind of gain the, the insight. You know, I, the, the best way to, s- to describe it is, is no one realizes they're an alcoholic before they stop drinking. Sure. Right. Okay. You know, okay. So, so I didn't realize I had a problem until everyone knew I had a problem. Got it. Okay. So, so you misappropriated funds. Now, what does that really amount to in day-to-day nuts and bolts? Like, did you just set up a fake vendor account and do it that way? Or what, what, what was it? Yep. I, we, we, we had a leasing agency that we use out of California and mind you, I was the only one that had ever met or talked to them. Mm -hmm. And I had set up uh, an account at a bank locally. And I had started a company with a name that was really close to their name. 
Oh, oh, okay. And since I was in control of this checkbook, I would cut checks to my company Mm -hmm. that looked reasonably close to that company. And then I would deposit them. Mm -hmm. Um, the, The best way to describe it is, uh, Again, I, I was 100% in control of this one checkbook. Um, even though the general manager was supposed to look at it and reconcile it, mm-hmm. I, I want this to come out the right way. People that get high positions in certain types of companies are really good in that industry. Mm-hmm. The general manager we had grew up in the manufacturing business. Mm-hmm. He could tell people and direct people on how to manufacture things. I doubt he had any accounting background. Oh, I don't, you know, and again, and, and nothing against that because why would you, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the percentage of that is very slim. Mm-hmm. So you have someone that does not have an accounting background, does not have any accounting experience being the person that I'm supposed to show my records to, mm-hmm. you know what? I mean, yeah, you can do anything. He's going to not going to know. Right. And, and yeah. that, and that was where part of the, uh, uh, germ of the idea was like, man, I can get away with this mm-hmm. because who's there to watch? Uh, the other flip side of it is, is that as much as the bank wants everything to be proper, the bank wants the company's business. Mm-hmm. The bank wants to make interest on that. Money. Oh yeah. Yeah. You bet. There's a million CPA firms out there. The mm-hmm. CPA wants to make sure that they're right with the IRS and that the company's right with the IRS. But at the end of the day, the customer is just that a customer of the CPA firm. Mm-hmm. If you're going to start telling me I can and can't do some things, well, maybe I need to find a CPA firm that's going to let me do the things I want to do. Mm-hmm. So when it came time for like quarterlies and uh, uh, yearly reviewed financials and that, mm-hmm. you know, I'd get an email with a list of, hey, we're going to be out there a week from Tuesday for three days. Mm-hmm. And uh, here's exactly what we want to see. Mm-hmm. I So I had a head start on like, Oh, they're going to look at payables. Uh-huh. I better make sure that if they look in the right spot, I got, I got my ducks in a row. Uh-huh. So um, there, there, there was a little bit of false hope that, man, that no one's ever going to find this. Uh-huh. But then what creeps in after you start doing something 126 times over three years uh-huh. is I need to bat a thousand. I need to be right every day. Yeah. I need to be right every minute. They need to find the needle in the haystack once. Because mm-hmm. if they find it once, it doesn't take a genius to find it all. Mm-hmm. And that's what started to really get to me from a, a depression standpoint and a remorse standpoint was that I could win the lottery and give them all their money back. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to make a difference because one day I am going to get caught. One day I am going to get found out because in my mind, the odds were against me. Like eventually I mean, it's just going to happen. That's, that's a lot of pressure. And I want to, I want to get back to that in, in, in just a minute. But I, I, I'm really curious about how, you button things up on your end. Like, did you actually set up a corporation or did it go mm-hmm. to a personal account? So, so you really were two feet in. Oh yeah. There, like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't tell anyone this was an accident. I mean, uh-huh. this was a hundred percent, uh, pre-thought, pre-planned, uh-huh. orchestrated, mm-hmm. you know, it, yeah. 
I mean, now, it was. Uh, now, I, I'm curious because I, I talked to a lot of people who do some things that um, like th- that maybe aren't aren't great, kind of like what you did. But they do but they do them very in a very similar way. So did you do any research on how to do this ahead of time or was it something you just kind of cooked up and it seemed natural? Um, to me, it was just you're an accountant with 14 years experience. Mm-hmm. It's just this is how you do it. A, B and C. That's you know? it. It just made sense. It just, I mean, uh-huh. yeah, I, I had been, I had worked for everyone from the corporate office of U.S. Bank in downtown Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who was, uh, uh, ran a bank, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was like the, the, the executive of a bank. And so I had a little bit of banking knowledge and, you know, I'd hear his war stories when we were golfing about, oh my God, you're not going to believe what this person tried or this person right. tried, or we had to fix this. And it just kind of lined up that it's like, man, you know, like there's not a lot of people watching this. Huh. So you kind of knew the ins and outs of it just a little bit. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, 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 and I knew it just enough that it gave me a little level of comfort's a terrible word, mm-hmm. confident of confidence. Right. And you know, the truth well, of the matter is, is that had I known how little, if I would have known even more, uh-huh. I'd have taken way more. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah. So it's ridiculous what, how little the controls are in place at banks. So that I learned so later. What, what would you have done to get more? Can, uh, can you reveal it? You don't, if you, if you're not comfortable, that's okay. I'm just curious. No, it's uh, multiple companies. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Just, just M- scale. Multiple amu- yep. Multiple mm-hmm. amounts of multiple amounts of, uh, of uh, uh, values, you know, uh-huh. check amounts. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I mean, now, how, how, how did you do that with the check amounts? Because it, one of the things they always say is, um, cause you know, we, we've both spoken for the ACFE mm-hmm. uh, with all the fraud examiners is, is the check amounts. Like, were you doing, uh, even amounts or did you mix it up a little bit or how did all that, uh, how did, what uh, was your I, method? I started off, I started off mixing up high, low, mm-hmm. kind of all over the board. And I want to say like the last 60, 70 checks I wrote mm-hmm. for the same exact amount. Oh, really? You just gave up. You weren't even trying. Nope. Wasn't oh even trying my. anymore. Oh my just gosh. Let it run. Wow. So, so let's, let's get back to that whole idea of like, cause you were doing this to fill a hole, like in, mm-hmm. in your emotional health, really. Yes. Um, and, 100%. And, and so, uh, and, and maybe you didn't really know that that was what was going on at the time, like a, you know, cause you said you did some reflection on that, but what, like, did it work even for a little period of time or what, what was the, I mean, cause obviously the, the threat and the, the fear creeps in, but, but at first, what was your, uh, like feeling how, like, take us through that, like how it developed. Cause it's like, what, four years, how did it un- yeah. unravel? Now, and, and, and you can, you can talk to multiple people that have been in my situation. Mm-hmm. It all starts the same. Mm-hmm. You know, if I can just pay off, it doesn't matter what it is. If I can just pay off my car, mm-hmm. if I can just pay off my college loans, if I can just, uh, you know, get enough of the house pay down so we're off of PMI, mm-hmm. the rationalization is I make so much money legally, mm-hmm. but if I can just get a few of these bills taken care of, we're going to be an easy street. Uh-huh. And then it's like, well, that was easy. Why can't I have a new car? 
uh-huh. and have that paid for. Right. Why can't we put an addition on the house? Mm-hmm. Why can't we go on vacation? Mm-hmm. And uh, it gets to the point where you then all of a sudden one day realize like, I'm so deep in this. Mm-hmm. There's no point in stopping. Um, wow. You know, I've, I've had guys ask me like, you know, when do you think you could have stopped and gotten away with it? Uh-huh. And I would say somewhere in that $800,000 range. Oh, really? You know, given, given how far apart that was from the end, uh-huh. that if I would have stopped and just let it run its course, mm-hmm. um, you know, muscled my way through a few more year-end financial reviews, mm-hmm. and then possibly got the mental help I needed, mm-hmm. I, I still, like, there still would have always been something in the back of my head, like, man, you know, it, I would have yeah. still been sweating bullets for, let's face it, seven years, uh-huh. because it's seven years, That's you know, sales limit. and, you know, you know, this, uh, someone could audit, two years back and they go, Oh, we don't like this. Let's, let's dig a little deeper. And again, that needle in a haystack. All of a sudden someone just says, says man, look at this. Uh-huh. You know, you, you, you figure from, from, from an overall standpoint, you know, if you can make it through seven years, but I mean, imagine uh-huh. sitting there for seven years, wondering if today's the day. Yeah. With ducks quacking. <laughs> oh, I know that's everyone's upstairs yelling at me. Oh, I know it's, it's okay. Um, I like it, but, um, Okay. So, so it starts out pretty good and then it gets to where you can't stop. And, and so, so what have you bought at this point that in in an attempt to fill the hole, like internally, like what, was it just what you think like boats and vacations or was there something else or no, that that's like talking to some guys that I roomed with in, Mm -hmm. in, in Duluth, you know, they had $125,000 Audis and they mm-hmm. had summer homes and they had boats mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong. We had lots of nice things, mm-hmm. but my nice things, I had the same truck, 40 guys at work had, mm-hmm. you know, I had C-Dews at 20 guys at work had, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, the, the, the best way to describe it is, is that if it was your birthday and I normally bought you a $30 gift uh-huh. this year, your gift was 85 bucks. Mm-hmm. And if normally we went to the game and everyone took a turn and bought a round of beers, mm-hmm. which you know about a football game is ridiculous. That's a lot with. of money. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would, I would be the guy that as he walked in, bought the first round uh-huh. at halftime, made sure I bought another round uh-huh. and just made sure, Hey, is I want one more? Uh-huh. So, so there was nothing overly suspicious in my spending or my buying, mm-hmm. but you know, the, you know, going to the store. Hey, should we get some seafood? Yeah, but let's go get the fresh stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there was so just, just little upgrades. Yeah, little upgrades. Mm-hmm. And and it was always like, man, the furniture is really getting ratty. Well, let's get some new furniture. Well, mm-hmm. there's going to be a sale in six weeks. Ah, let's start looking now. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was it was just that kind of lifestyle. I mean, not not to pat myself on the back, but when I got caught, mm-hmm. um, I mean, five or six days. I mean, I had given back a. Mm $150,000, $160,000. I had it. Yeah. I I wasn't just spending. I was ridiculously conservative with it. You know, I had retirement accounts. I had college saving accounts. Oh, wow. That, you know, and uh, again, we, after selling all of our assets and 
selling our house and doing uh-huh. the whole nine yards. And again, I do not want this to sound like what a great guy I am, but my uh, victims, and I call them at my victims, they received uh, between $400,000 and $450,000 in cash. Mm-hmm. Um, they had their insurance, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I owe my victims, I think, $300,000 out of $1.2 million. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want this to make like, oh, they got away with something or, oh my God, I'm such a great guy. It's just the facts that most people in my situation, when they get caught, they got 300 bucks to their name yeah. because they are spending wildly. And they, you know, I never, I wasn't a gambler. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a drug user. I didn't uh, participate with uh, paid help, so to speak. Right, right. You know, I, uh, <laughs> I was, you know, I was just trying to live a better life. Mm-hmm. Wow. But I okay. wasn't, I wasn't living the better life. No, you I know, wasn't I was, working. Cause you, no. I mean, you, you must've been, I, I mean, I don't want to even say a downward spiral, but, but, but like straight down. Oh yeah. Like, like, cause more wasn't better. Nope. Not at all. Wow. Okay. All. So, so then you're writing yourself these checks. You wrote, what'd you say? A hundred and some checks, like 126, I think 126 checks. Um, and then how did it come crashing down? What happened? Um, I couldn't keep it together mentally anymore. Mm-hmm. Everyone was worried about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had actually had two separate um, emotional collapses at work. One mm-hmm. was one of the owners happened to walk into my office mm-hmm. and I was literally sitting at my desk sobbing uncontrollably. Oh, wow. Like the, the pressure was just getting so much. Yeah. And they were overall good guys uh-huh. and they were worried not only about my health, but they were also worried about like, Hey, this is a guy that knows a lot about us and is our liaison with the bank. Like we got to make sure this guy is sane. Oh, like oh, he, yeah. has a, he has a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. So they put me into some uh, employer paid therapy, okay, which only increased my issues because you're supposed to be able to tell a therapist anything right well i can't tell them the real reason i'm there oh man so i now i'm making up even more lies mm-hmm. to cover the lies i've already started uh-huh and um my owners were getting extremely nervous uh-huh. because they're like you know what's this guy gonna do and in hindsight they were they were plotting to get rid of me oh plotting's a, plotting's a bad term you know because it's like i was planning on, Yeah. Planning. Um, and while I was at one of these meetings, um, I had a personal laptop that I was, that was at work that they actually had, um, they downloaded, they downloaded the information off of it. Off your personal laptop. Yep. And, and I think the reason they did it was not because of anything, um, overly Uh evil or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I think their worried was, man, if we cut this guy loose, this like does he have any of our business information on that computer oh you so did again, they do it well did you know it or oh god no no so they just kind of picked it up off your desk and then put it back yep yep well while, while i was at one of these uh while i was at one of these meetings mm. so then um we're having a meeting one day and i just feel like everyone in the room is trying to pick a fight with me and and like the owner is a general manager and everyone's just like like they've been wonderful up until this point. And now all of a sudden it's like, everyone is yelling at me and it's, it's going weird. And 
I finally looked at one of the owners and I said, are you trying to get me to quit? Mm -hmm. And he goes, what do you mean? I said, everyone's like ganging up on me here. I said, do you want me to quit? And he goes, I don't want you here anymore. I just want you to go get out of here. Mm -hmm. And I went, okay. And I literally grabbed my stuff and I walked out of the building. Uh Right then and there, I had a 60 day clock in my head. Uh I said, if no one contacts me in 60 days, either they found out and don't care, which obviously is not the case. Mm -hmm. They didn't look, they don't care. They're just moving on. Uh, I was served papers, I believe 24 days later. Oh boy. So they got in, they figured it all out. Yeah. And like I said, if, if there's only there, I, I only have one mean thought in my head, um, from the whole situation uh-huh. is I always wanted to be a fly on the wall when the IT guy came to them and said, we found this. Do you want to look at it? Yeah. And, and just, and again, not to cause them any more pain, but I've just always wanted to know, like, what was that scene? Like, was it just somber or desks thrown like you know how how bad was it so you Uh, never heard no no Mm -hmm. i i I was i was served papers and then that started it didn't start the healing process then Uh but it it leveled me out for the first time in three years oh really because i knew right then and there it couldn't get any worse Uh uh-huh like this is this is as bad as it's ever gonna get Uh uh-huh now we got to figure out how we get to the finish line. And that was always my, that was always my, uh, my uh, phrase to all the people I dealt with from lawyers and FBI and the IRS Mm -hmm. was how do we get to the finish line? Mm -hmm. And um, that, yeah, it's, and it was just like, that was, that was gut wrenching. That was soul searching. But if that wouldn't have happened, I honestly would not be here today. Cause it was, it was, it was getting to the point that there were thoughts and plans starting mm-hmm. to be made. God. Oh my gosh. That that's a dark place to be like for sure. So what's your wife? Uh, how did she take all this? Not well. I wouldn't uh, think so. A hundred percent oblivious to what was happening. A hundred percent oblivious to what was going on. Um, she immediately realized 90% of probably what I had told her over the previous few years was, complete lies what now what'd you tell her what were you telling her um i made a good living mm-hmm. you know um we always had extra money to do things mm-hmm. um most of the time the people that i was dealing with gave me the reason why i had money mm-hmm. and and um of all things uh when i was younger i was a nationally ranked racquetball player and i played the professional tour when everyone see here's professional athlete, they're like, oh, like we know you didn't make NBA or NFL money, but you must have did all right. Yeah, well, so, I'll tell you that I was a professional athlete as well. There's no better way to go broke sometimes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but people thought I made money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, taking a tragedy and turning it into a reality. Mm-hmm. My mother passed away in 2004. Uh huh. My mother was a classic. A Northeast Wisconsin person that got a job at one of the paper mills right out of high school, mm-hmm. worked there for 30 years. Yeah. All of those people retire with a boatload of money in their savings mm-hmm. and rightfully so. Yeah. And coffee cans under the mattress and the whole yep. bit. Yeah. And yeah. everyone just assumed that I got a boatload of that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. My stepdad did. Oh. So, but I got a little bit 
And sadly, the story always was to my wife was, hey, can we afford this? Hey, the market's been doing really good. I'll, I'll, my mom's name was Terry. I'll get a little bit of Terry's money. Uh-huh. It, it'll be fine. Uh-huh. Yeah, oh, wow. Was, okay. So as always, so, it'll be fine. Yeah. And, and there, was al- there, were, there was always a plausible explanation mm-hmm. for what was going on. Mm-hmm. Wow. So then and again, it wasn't, and it wasn't like we were showing up like, Hey, by the way, we're going to go buy a BMW on Saturday. You right, know, it was just, right. Hey, we're having a kid. Maybe we should get an SUV. Right. You know? huh. Okay. So, so there's a knock at the door. Here come the papers and uh, you're there. Is your wife there? Like, how does all that go down? They actually served the papers to her. I got home after. Oh my goodness. Yes. So how did that go? She had read it. Mm-hmm. And I got home and she said, you need to read this. And I already knew what it was. Mm-hmm. And I read it. And based on the detail that was there, I was like, there's no way they pulled this together on their own in three weeks. Mm-hmm. So my first thought was, how did they get my information? Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, that, that, that doesn't matter right now. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll worry about that later. Right. And she just asked me if uh, what the documents said were true. And I said, you know, I said, there's a little liberty here and there, but I said, these are about 95, 96% true. Oh. And that was, that was a bond. That was a really long night. Yeah, I bet so. So then, so then you end up in court, I guess, or so did you have a public defender? Did you have your own lawyer? Did you just say, I'm just going to handle this myself? Like, no. um, If there's one thing uh, I learned is that they don't care where the money comes from. If you have money, they're going to make you spend it for your own defense. Mm. So I had to give a, a financial disclosure like within a week. Mm-hmm. And they earmarked a fair amount of money that my victim should have gotten back. They said, this is for your lawyers. Oh, wow. so and the government took, took some for like legal fees. Oh, no, no. I had to hire my own lawyers. Oh, yeah, your own lawyer. But they okay. did, but they, 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 the, they took the money and put it in a trust and said, here's how much money we're going to give you for a legal defense. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Okay. So they gave you a little bit of a bone there. So, well, they, mean, no, they, they gave the lawyers a little one. bit of, they gave the lawyers a little bit of a bone because right. the stuff is so cut and dry mm-hmm. that they don't need to file anything and you don't need a lawyer to protect your rights. Wow. Okay. Okay. So then, um, you went to court and what did, what did you just go in and say guilty? Yep. And that was, I, uh, that. So it was short. I, I met with the, I met with the investigator and the prosecuting attorney for the FBI in the district mm-hmm. of, uh, Northeast district. Mm-hmm. And I went there with my, with my lawyer and I said, guys, guilt, literally, I walked in, I introduced myself, we shook hands. I said, sad to say, it's not great to meet you, but here I am. How do I get to the finish line? Mm-hmm. That was the first time I used that. And the guy said, we're going to sit down You're, We're going to ask you some questions and we want the answers to them. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's go. Mm-hmm. And they're like, at any time, if you want to step out and talk to your lawyer, feel free. I said, no, nope, that won't be necessary. I said, mm-hmm. let's do this. And mm-hmm. uh, he was there with me the whole time. And we just went from A, B, C, and D. And I want to say was there, wasn't very long, maybe an hour, hour and a oh. half. Oh, that's it. And, uh, and it was, uh, and it was kind of the question of, uh, um, you know, we may want to talk to you again. And I said, I need a half hour notice to get here. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I'm not saying they were surprised mm-hmm. at how forthcoming I was, but at the same time, that's not exactly what they're used to. Right. Um, and, and, and my, my guy, his name was Vince knew them well. And he's just like, you're just going to have to take my oath as a lawyer, you know, defender of law mm-hmm. that, um, this guy's going to help you in any way. And there won't be any shenanigans mm-hmm. there. There wasn't. Wow. So then how long did they give you before you had to show up to jail? Too long. I was at the end. I was begging to go because really? I, again, just get it over. Yep. Uh, sadly, it takes a long time in our judicial processes to, mm-hmm. to get anything moving. Um, so it took, it took wiles for the criminal stuff to even get going. I don't think I even went to a criminal court till January, February, the following year. Mm-hmm. And I reported in November. Oh, wow. Okay. But I mean, wow, I, that is my, a in, long time. In my first, in my first meeting with the judge, mm-hmm. my lawyer stood up and said, uh, I don't remember exactly how it went, but it was like, uh, it was a preliminary hearing. And we were like, nope, Ryan's ready to move to the next phase. Mm-hmm. He's here to uh, plead guilty. Like we're ready. We're ready to go to sentencing your honor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's literally what it was. Mm-hmm. And it still took too long. <laughs> wow. Cause you have to sit and stew. And I mean, that's crazy. So did, did it give you any time to get, I don't know, affairs in order or anything oh, yeah. like that? Or And again, there, there, you know, I, I wasn't a, threat to myself. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a threat to society. Um, they, they kind of best way to describe it is that they kind of give you that little, like, Hey, we could come get you tomorrow if we mm-hmm. want to. Yeah. 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 So, so you better, you better not do anything. You better not go anywhere and you better get your stuff taken care of because when we come and get you, we're coming. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I didn't have much to get taken care of. I mean, I had, uh, you know, bag of clothes and a couple pairs of shoes. That was about it. Mm. Um, and, but it got to the point where it was like, I was crying to my lawyer. Like we gotta, we gotta speed this up. Like mm-hmm. oh, wow. I'm ready. Like uh-huh. I'm, I'm ready to go and we need to, cause no, cause no matter when you start that amount of time is going to be there. Right. Right. Yeah, for sure. So, so wow. it was, yeah, it was weird. So then, so then what, once you got there, once you got to prison, I guess, what, what goes on? Like, cause it, you've definitely done some soul searching. Um, but what else did you have the opportunity to do? Like, like, did it change you? Uh, tell us about that. It honestly brought me back to the person I used to be. Um, I'm a bit of a talker. I'm mm-hmm. an outgoing guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife knows this wholeheartedly that if I'm quiet, something's wrong. Okay. Um, and it got me and, and you go there very hesitant because you hear all the horror stories Yeah. and you've seen all the movies Yeah. and you show up and it's just a bunch of dudes hanging out. That's it. And it's, yep. And, and it's like, you, you find your niche of, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with these guys. I'm going to avoid those guys. Uh-huh. I'm going to do everything I can to try to make the hours go faster. Uh-huh. Um, and least of, and most of all, I'm going to try not to get comfortable. I don't want to be comfortable here. Oh, okay. I don't, you know, cause there's guys that get, there's guys that get comfortable and it's like, Hey, when you going? Oh, I don't know. Like, uh-huh. really? 
yeah, I don't know when I go home. I'm, I'm good. Like that, oh, wow. that was my, that was my fear. Like uh-huh. I do not want to get comfortable. I didn't want to feel that I was in danger. I didn't want to feel that like, uh, the, the world was closing in around me, but like, I didn't want to feel comfortable. Uh-huh. And I mean, for two years, I, uh, the place I went to, you had to have a job on site. So I, I shoveled snow, I cut grass. Um, I did lots of stuff I don't normally do. Like I played basketball, uh-huh. you know, I, I started, you know, walking and running around the track. You know, I mean, it was just anything you can do to make that hour go faster. Uh-huh. Wow. So then what was the, so all the, all the like depression, self-hatred, that kind of stuff, did that just magically go away? Or was there something that you consciously did to get yourself back on target? Um, I had, again, once everything was found out, it wasn't the therapist that the company was paying for, but I saw another therapist. It was a court appointed one. Mm-hmm. And um, he had determined, and I'll give it the grain of salt, depending on if you believe that stuff or not, Sure. Um, that the issues I was having was something that I had probably been suffering for for a very long time, like possibly even late teens. Huh. But there were certain uh, lifestyle points that I had chosen that naturally counteract it. You mm-hmm. know, one of the number one things to counter depression is physical activity. Mm-hmm. Well, I told you I, I, I played, you know, semi-professional racquetball. Yeah. You know, I was a, I was a gym rat. I went to the club three, four hours, seven days a week uh-huh. around my jobs, things like that. Um, there were certain lifestyle changes that as you get older, you stop doing. And this added to the, the natural stress I already had, mm-hmm. the natural anxiety I usually had. And then you add that to just the, the, the anxiety and the stress of just being a grown adult, taking care of children, Yeah, uh-huh. you know, and my activity level went down to nothing. Uh-huh. And, um, what it really did is it, it helped me, um, find the trigger points and it helped me find the, like, Oh, it's starting. We need uh-huh. to do something right now because it's starting. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and that's, and that's, like I said, like if, if I'm, if I'm being overly quiet, everyone around me knows something's wrong Mm -hmm. and like whether you want like you know i've heard this whether you want to tell me what's wrong or not you need to do something to fix this Mm -hmm. whether it's you know go play catch with the kids or go for a walk or Uh cook you know don't just sit there and stare at the tv don't just fall into that 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 dungeon again Mm -hmm. and uh um i will say that i have greatly internally tried to figure out what triggers those moments and then to combat them before it happens. Mm -hmm. But I still see the, I still see it happening. Like, Oh, this is really bothering me. Mm -hmm. I need to do something about it. Right. So you're more Um, proactive now. Yes. I'm much more proactive. Mm -hmm. And, And again, the, uh, the, the going, going to a place like Duluth, and sitting in a room with 10 other guys that did the same exact thing you did the same exact way with the same exact feelings. It's like, I could hear other people tell their stories and it would be like, Oh yeah. When did this happen? Oh, mm-hmm. this happened to me in January. 
mm-hmm. you know, like it's it's ridiculous how similar uh, similar it is. Mm-hmm. And so, then all of a sudden you realize that man, like it's just me being stupid. Huh. It's, it's not just me. Right. Now, would you consider yourself a better person now? Now, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not consider myself a better person per se of than when I was 20. I consider myself a better person than when I was performing my crime. Okay. Interesting. But it's, 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 it's not, it's not like I've become a better person than I've ever been. Okay. Okay. I'm just, I'm no longer the bad person. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. That's pretty good. Um, little steps, right? So yeah. then, um, would you do it again? Like looking back. Oh, I mean, no, 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 no. I mean, two reasons. Mm-hmm. A, I wouldn't survive that depth anymore. Mm-hmm. B, um, the other joke is, you know, they gave me four years this time. The next time it's going to be 142. Yeah. Because the, the statutes, the statutes oh said what I did, I could have gotten 142 years. Wow. Okay. Now, again, no one, you know, the joke is murders don't get that much. You mm-hmm. know, like there was no fear that, oh man, they could do that. But 10 years is bad. Mm-hmm. yeah you know so yeah no there's um there's no i mean i i look both ways and make sure my feet are in the crosswalk mm-hmm. you know it's that it's wow that uh it's that ingrained in me now wow so then um what would what would your advice be to someone who may be walking down your old path um wherever you are leave that place right now mm-hmm. um whatever you think you can do tell someone how you can do it um i had opportunities while i was doing it well before i was uh at my lowest point mm-hmm. and on the verge of being um caught where i have some solid friends that if i would have told them man you're not gonna believe what i've been doing for a year and a half mm-hmm um, a, they never would, they never would have left my side, but they never would have condoned it. Mm-hmm. And they would have been like, okay, who do we need to talk to once again to get to the finish line? Like mm-hmm. we gotta, we gotta stop this right now. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I was so high strung and I was so worried about affecting other people, even though in retrospect, I affected everyone. Mm-hmm that I don't think I could have did that because I wouldn't have wanted to put that burden on somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I wish I would have, there's four people in my mind that through thick and thin would have been like, okay, we're, we're going to get through, like, we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, you need to stop. Second of all, we need to call a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Thirdly, we need to figure out how we can, you know, there's no correcting the situation. How can we, get out of the situation mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and uh um when i've done these speakings uh in front of people before i mean it's in front of a room of finance and accounting people right and i say to them i'm like every one of you knows there is a weakness where you work mm-hmm. whether you can take advantage of that weakness or not is beside the point you know there's a weakness there Mm-hmm. If you ever feel that you're interested in that weakness, you need to talk to somebody. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to seem like preachy. Oh, that's interesting. Be, because, yeah. because I don't, 
I don't want to have them go through what, and forget me, me being, mm-hmm. that's too selfish. I don't want them to put their friends and family through what I put my friends and family through. Mm-hmm. Because the truth of the matter is, is I survived it. And I don't want to say I wear it like a badge of honor because I was very close to a point where there wasn't an option for survival anymore. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't want to see anyone get that to there again, because mm-hmm. it, it selfishly, it's too much pain on me. Mm-hmm. Like you're someone that I could have helped where yeah. you're like, you don't know who that person is. No, no. I know who that person is because that person's right here. I could have helped that person. Right. And that's kind of, so like I said, if, if you know, if you know the weakness, it's one thing to know the weakness is another thing to start thinking about the weakness. If you know mm-hmm. that weakness, you got to talk to someone. Now, um, what are you doing now to help people? Cause you're speaking, right. Um, what else are you yep. doing? I am, you know, I, I've become that, that universal, uh, volunteer debt, you know, um, I'm doing the things that make me and my family happy. Uh-huh. And when I have an opportunity, like with you, um, uh, John Gill at the ACFE, mm-hmm. ACFE, ACFE, you know, yeah. I, I'm still willing to sit down and talk and I'm, and don't get me wrong. It's, it's still therapeutic for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I kind of have a little bit of the two-facedness that like, you know, I don't want to just go out and start preaching to people. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to learn from my mistakes. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you don't have the fortitude to do what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of pick and choose. And if I can kind of be that big brother to somebody, or if I can, you know, work comes to me and like, Hey, we're thinking about doing this. You see a bad idea in that. And I'll can like, yeah, here, here's why it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. You know, cause the, the people I work for, um, they are a hundred percent aware. Mm-hmm. like full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Um, I have friends now that I have made since I've been home. There's some that absolutely know. And there's some, I think might know. And there's some, I know don't know, uh-huh. but it's gotten to the point where it's been so long. Again, the preachiness mm-hmm. I'm past the point where it's like, Hey, I have to tell you what I did mm-hmm. and hope you still like me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like the, Hey, it, it, it is what it is. If you find out about it and it bothers you, let's talk it out. Mm-hmm. You think you need to end the relationship? I 100% understand. Mm-hmm. Can go with your decision. Right. But I mean, it's been this September will be 10 years. Oh, so, I boy. Mean, like, yeah. I've gotten to the point where it's like, it's, I, I don't want to say move on because moving on means you're forgetting about it, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's past the point of encompassing my life. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. Wow. Now, how can people get a hold of you either to speak or to maybe help them, uh, just personally, like if they see my, e- my email is always available. Mm-hmm. What is that email? Just so uh, everybody- it's, my, it's, it's my name, R Y A N H O M A at gmail.com. There it is. Okay. So if anybody needs to get a hold of them, you know how to do it now. So, um, any parting words, last tips for anyone, any final, final thoughts? No, I mean, like I, I said, the, uh, the turnaround I've had not only in my 
personal and professional life, like I wake up every day and I'm, I'm happy to be here. Mm-hmm. I am happy as ridiculous as it sounds to just live a normal life. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it's most days when I can't sleep, it's because I still have too much energy mm-hmm. and, and not that I'm just this like guy that's going to move mountains, but the, the, the depths that I was at, you know, I am still happy and I'm still purposely making sure I'm not there again. Right. And, and I said, it's just, uh, you know, not that I don't have bad days, not that there aren't days on end where it's just like, oh man, I don't feel it. You know, I just want to lay around and do nothing, but I'm, like I said, I'm back to the guy that I was in my twenties when I was just that happy, loud, slightly obnoxious guy that, that everyone just kind of like, you know, hung out with. Oh, I love it. Well, I'm glad that you made the turn back to, uh, like just being happy. I, I, yep. I cause that you, you can't put a price on that. So, and, and I'm really psyched that you just shared your story in the depth that, that you did. And, um, and I'm hoping people reach out to you for ideas, uh, when they may feel low or, uh, you know, to help their company. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. So thank you for coming on. Not a problem. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. I'll see you next time.